everybody doing this morning. Hopefully you had a good day. I got to turn off the music. There we go. Hopefully you had a good day, a good weekend. Uh, how about those uh, Kansas City Chiefs last night winning the Super Bowl? Um, as so many other games have been this year, it's really only matters that you watch the the final uh, few minutes because that's really in this game what it came down to is the final few minutes of the Super Bowl. And the Chiefs won. I really do like Andy Reid. I like uh, Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey, mm, <laughs> he, he's a big mouth, but oh well. Um, Mahomes, uh, Andy Reid, like those guys for sure. So didn't really watch it. We had company over last night. Had a wonderful, wonderful time on Friday night. People at the house last night. People at the house had a wonderful time, uh, enriching time, prayerful time. 
good, good time, very enjoyable. Now, I put something in the comments, and uh, nobody has answered that comment yet. It's a question that I put in there. And um, for those that are listening later, uh, here was the question. What would it be called to have two or more people named Melody in your church? Because we have our own very dear and precious Melody, who is... uh, uh, part of our regular morning crowd and our coffee champion on Sunday mornings uh, together with uh, with Lori Eaton, and we're so thankful for them. Uh, Priscilla says a song. Don says a harmony. Well, uh, close. You're, you're, you're barking up the right tree. Uh, it is, um, I would say, it, you would have a medley of melodies in your church. Anyway, a little play on words there. A medley of melodies. Wonderful uh, to think about that. So Jessica, putting in this prayer request, please pray for me. I'm stressing out driving on the interstate. We don't know where you're going. So, you know, we don't know what part of the interstate you might be on. If you're down in the Boston area, uh, Hey, uh, just keep driving. And, um, You'll be fine because um, I don't know where you're heading. But we do pray for uh, Jessica. So, some of us will drive anywhere. You know, I'm. Uh, we'll drive on the wrong side of the road if we're in place to uh, uh, a place like uh, England, uh, where they drive on the wrong side of the road and on the wrong side of the car on the wrong side of the road. That'd be really confusing. But, yeah, I understand, close to Boston. You know, they don't drive in Boston. They uh, aim. That's what I've been told. My sister lived there for uh, a while and said, no, we, we don't drive. We aim. So, but prayers, Lord, we lift up Jessica. Just calm her nerves and help her to get her where she's going. Uh, incident-free, we pray in Jesus' name. Well, friends, we're going to jump into the text. We are in John chapter 12 today. and. Uh, Jesus is uh, in Bethany and uh, on his way to Jerusalem. We're, we're approaching, uh, in fact, today we'll enter into the final week of Jesus' ministry uh, while he was uh, among us. Uh, and this, this final week will take us weeks to get through because there is a lot of teaching in the final week. In fact, we're in John chapter 12 today. So John chapter 12 through John chapter uh, 20, uh, 19 and 20, that is all the final week of Jesus' uh, life and ministry pre-crucifixion. And then you get to John 20, 21, that then is a post, post-resurrection post that you'll look at. So to think about all those chapters, seven, eight chapters that are all... Um, in the book of John that are all focusing on just this one week of ministry alone. So uh, we've kind of covered half the gospel of John. We pick up today. It says this, Meanwhile, while a large crowd of Jews found that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith 
in him. So guilty by association, that was the title I gave to this, uh, guilty by association. Um, Lazarus is guilty. I mean, Lazarus was dead, if you recall, and Jesus raised him from the dead. Um, and many people believed on Jesus because of that incident, because of that, I call it incident, like it's some small thing, uh, because that major miracle that Jesus did in raising Lazarus from the dead four days after his death, four days after he'd been wrapped and put into the tomb. And if you remember from John 11, surely he stinketh by now. Um, so many people are believing in Jesus as a result of what happened back in John chapter 11. So looking at the verses again, it says to us, meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus. They hadn't seen him. They, they wanted to, to see what he looked like. Uh, he'd been dead and now was alive. They wanted to, they wanted to experience this, this phenomenal uh, occurrence that's taken place, this miraculous event. So they wanted to, to be able to see Lazarus and... Uh, so it says, so the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Now, a question that that comes to my mind is, is simply this. Um, are people going over to Jesus on account of me? That's a question that that, that I would ask. Does my life prompt other people to want to follow Jesus? Um, and it's a question I think all of us could ask. Is our faith such that it impacts other people? Are our words about Jesus such that they impact other people? Is our prayerfulness such that it impacts other people? I mean, these are questions we could be asking ourselves and and you know, say, Lord, help me work in my life, work through my life that that my life might leave an impact for you, Lord, that that's my prayer. So I just encourage us to think about what type of impact does our life live? Uh, I mean, even to think I, in a certain measure, uh, when I first came to Christ and uh, left the church that I had been a part of that really didn't teach the gospel fully, the necessity of personal faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, and then I started talking to other peers, uh, young people, youth group age people that, that I had gone to church with, uh, or even some of my own relatives that were youth age. This church got highly upset at me because they, they perceived me to be taking the young people away. And all I was doing was saying, you need to believe in Jesus personally. It isn't enough to, to go through the readings of the Gospels or the readings of the Old Testaments and, or to go through um, certain religious acts and catechisms and things. I mean, those, those things are good if you believe in Jesus, but you need to believe in Jesus. So I had that experience when I was in my teenage years 
of having a particular church. Now, later on in life, uh, myself and and, uh, and many of those people in that church came to a point where we got along quite well, and it seemed like there'd been a change in, in that church and in those people. But in those days, there were people who were offended because of me. Are people offended because of you? Are they offended because of your faith in Christ? Um, or are people coming to Jesus as a result of what they see in you uh, and in me? I'm going to pause for a second. Grab that cup of coffee. Let's have a little sip together. In honor of my friend Walter Huss, that is Vermont coffee. That uh, Green Mountain coffee, Vermont coffee, in honor of Walter Huss. Well, we move on in the text. Now we get into the next part. That, that was the guilt. Uh, Jesus wasn't guilty. Uh, it was Lazarus who was guilty, guilty by association because he knew Jesus, because his life had been changed by Jesus. Uh, he was found to be guilty, uh, guilty by association. And now, the next day, Jesus is going to leave Bethany, which is really like a suburb, if you will, almost of Jerusalem. So we pick up in the text and we read that the next day the great crowd that had come for the feast heard. Remember, this is the feast, preparation, the feast of uh, the Passover, and they're getting ready for the Passover there. Uh, and so the next day the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it. As it is written, do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world... Excuse me, I went off camera and sneezed. Um, verse 19 says, See, uh, the Pharisees said to one another, This is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. The miraculous sign. Uh, what what had happened with Lazarus? Um, all these things um, people are going out to see. They're curious. Uh, you know, with people that we reach out to, there are varying types of people that we share the gospel with. 
Uh, there are curious people like these people here. They were curious. They wanted to see. They wanted to have a look-see. Uh, they wanted in on the action. They thought maybe some reporter might stop them and take their picture and ask for their input. Okay, now they didn't have cameras in that day. I'm embellishing slightly there. Um, but they were curious. Around us, there might be people who are curious, the people who might come to our churches out of curiosity and um, people who maybe will even engage us with curiosity, people who watch us with curiosity. That is one type of non-believer. You have those who are curious and those who are caustic, those who are, are defiantly against the gospel of God, uh, who will uh, challenge us to... Um, about our faith, or they don't want to hear anything. In fact, the caustic people don't even want to hear anything about it. I mean, they begin to sizzle the moment anything vaguely Christian is mentioned. They just they, they go into this this caustic bubbling mode of sometimes sometimes not always, but some of them begin to seethe out their nastiness, and they begin to seethe out all the reasons why Christianity is invalid and. And why it, how harmful it is, and all these different things. So you've got the curious, you've got the caustic, you've got those who are the casual uh, when it comes to Jesus. They say, "Well, yeah, I, I'll believe in Jesus," you know, at some level, some measure. And yet, the reality is, they're they're very casual, maybe not committed yet to faith in Christ. Uh, we have all those types of people. We need to be aware of those people and the the people that we can most easily reach out to are those who are curious um, because they're inquisitive. Uh, sometimes those who are casual, they can be difficult as well because they think, well, I, I understand. That's kind of where I was. Uh, I was casual in, in the practice of the Christian faith, even though I didn't yet possess the Christian faith. Do you understand that delineation? I practiced it, but I didn't possess it. I was going through the motions. I was reading the Bible. I was uh, going to the to the church I was engaged in at that point in time. And, uh, you know, some of the spiritual things were of, of some interest to me, but yet, you know, I was living my life as I wanted to live my life and doing the things that I wanted to do without any regard for Christ or, you know, his thoughts about any of those things. And so I was casual. Uh, and as my friend Mark sought to share the gospel with me, uh, I, I just said, Mark, I'm okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not a non-believer. I go to church. I, I think I'm a Christian, uh, even though I didn't yet quite understand that I needed to possess personal faith in Christ. So these people, we see them. Uh, as as curious. Now, the other thing I want to draw out here is uh, I I entitled this uh, guilt and glory. Here's the glory part: the glory part of the people going out, and that crowd that was there heard he was there. They took palm branches, went out to meet him, and they were shouting, "Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel." 
shouting these words, um, fulfilling prophecy. These were words prophetically spoken in the Old Testament that uh, would point to Christ, that would point to, uh, and they did, they were pointing to Christ, and these very words are the fulfillment of what was said in the Old Testament would take place that they would shout these words, that they would shout, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And we see the glory. He comes riding in. They're putting down palm branches. Some of the other gospels, the synoptic gospels, tell us somewhere if they didn't have a palm branch, they're putting down pieces of clothing in front of him, kind of like riding in on the red carpet, if you will. Uh, a means of honor uh, to the one who would come as the king of Israel. And in fact, he was, he is the king of Israel, yet they do not recognize him as such. Uh, Those Orthodox Jews or or those who are Jewish who are not yet Messianic Jews, who have not yet believed that Jesus is in fact the Christ. And yet here we see them shouting, blessed is the king of Israel. And Jesus, finding this young donkey, sat on it. Uh, again, fulfilling prophecy. Verse 15 is, is another prophecy. Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Again, fulfillment of prophecy. At first, his disciples did not understand all this, and only after Jesus was glorified did they realize these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now, now they're beginning to understand. Oh, I mean, they were caught in the moment. They weren't thinking of the scriptures. They weren't thinking of the Old Testament teachings. They they were thinking simply of um what was happening. It, 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 it may have been like they were in a daze almost. I mean, and I can see that. I can see how they would almost be in some type of a daze by what's going on. They're thinking Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. He is going to uh, reestablish the kingdom, and, and and the anticipation that they have of that is overwhelming. Uh, and yet, had they considered the scriptures, they would understand that um, there is something far more significant going on in the fulfillment of scripture. They weren't thinking about that. Sometimes when things happen, and I would encourage us, I would challenge us, how does Scripture speak into things? Uh, Yesterday, I stopped short of of saying these words, you know, people who are bosses think, well, I just lord it over. You're you're my employee. I pay you. You do what I tell you. Uh, That isn't a really good boss, actually. Uh, Do they have the right to do that? Absolutely. They are the boss. But the best bosses are looking out for the best interest of their employees. They're going to get the most out of their employees because uh, they're investing in their employees. They're believing in their employees. They, uh, they're they uh, wanting the best for their employees. They're wanting to better their employees. And they want the best for the organization. Those are the best leaders. I don't know how I got Oh, I, I know. Because I, I've, I've recently watched some bosses just be bossy. 
And, uh, you know, it creates angst. It creates hard feelings. Uh, it, it creates, you know, why do I keep doing this? Uh, and, and I just want to challenge some of these people with the truth of that Jesus gives about what makes the best boss. Want to be a leader? Want to be the greatest among you? Learn to be the servant. Uh, Greenleaf wrote about the servant leadership in the 1970s, not realizing that Jesus spoke about it in the first century. I don't know how I got off. Oh, I, I do know how I got off into that. To consider scripture. How does scripture speak into being an employee? How does scripture speak into being an employer? Uh, do we know the scriptures well enough that if something like this were happening, we would see the see, oh, this is the fulfillment of prophecy. Or as things happen, those who watch the prophetic stuff um, and YouTube channels and whatnot uh, th that are talking about modern occurrences and the fulfillment of ancient prophecy, uh, we watch some of these things, the unfolding and, and, you know, thinking about why is Russia, why do they want to get that part of Ukraine and, and have that direct access through uh, Crimea in, into the Baltic Sea because it gives direct access, direct access then down into uh, Syria and then into Israel. I mean, does that have prophetic implications? If we knew our scriptures, we would perhaps understand the prophetic implications of things like that. Would we go out? We have Palm Sunday coming up. We have uh, uh, Ash Wednesday coming up here in just a few weeks. Easter will be here in, in the month of April. There's Lent in between. These are great opportunities for us to uh, prepare our hearts spiritually. These are great opportunities for us to draw near to Jesus, to be contemplative of him, to be uh, introspective of self, to reflect, to repent, as Sophie's drawings on the front of the bulletin have, uh, have indicated to us. Maybe if I remember tomorrow, I will get those on the screen here so you can see what those are, that those of you that are from away, as uh, Mainers are fond of saying. Those in Rhode Island or Lancaster or Reedville or other places, I'll put her drawings, uh, bring them up so you can see what they are. Uh, they're, they're, they're helpful. I, I like them personally. And I like them especially because it's somebody in the life of the body who has is, who is drawn them. So I like them from that vantage point. Well, friends, today, may we be people who glory in Jesus. May we be people who contemplate the scriptures. May we be people who, whose hearts are stirred to understand the prophetic. I don't mean new prophecies. I mean prophecies given in the Old Testament, prophecies given in the New Testament, and see how the, the flowing out of things in, contemporary, in the contemporary world uh, might be the setting up of the fulfillment of prophecy. Money would be an example that at some point in time, our money is all going to come crashing down and we're going to have a one world government, a one world currency, and we're going to have a one world government. It's going to happen. The world stage is going to be set for that. 
I mean, you think about where it talks of earthquakes. Uh, and this would be a little bit later on. We, we could go over and read in like Matthew 24, and we'll look at some of those things. Maybe tomorrow we'll go and look at some of those things. But earthquakes, uh, the last I read, I think the numbers now are up to almost 35,000 people, uh, 35,000 souls that were lost uh, in uh, Turkey and Syria as a result of this overwhelming earthquake and this tragedy. So, Lord, we we end our time this morning prayerfully, praying for those in Turkey, praying for those in Syria, praying if there are still some who could be rescued. We know that uh, the time is getting short, but, Lord, it's our prayer that you would help rescuers to rescue those people. And, uh, Lord, for those whose hearts ache, the overwhelming grief and agony that you would minister to um, those broken hearts in Syria and in Turkey, and that you would work in the governments uh, in these countries that aid may come in to these people. Lord, hear our prayer on behalf of Turkey and Syria. Hear our prayer that we might glorify you and how we live today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, that's a wrap. I will see you all tomorrow. Have an excellent day, everyone.